There's an old saying on Wall Street, sell in May and go away. But should you follow that advice? Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team. What we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's Income Builder Fund, as well as individual solutions for our partners. By sharing these perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of May 11th, 2020, and we have our sound bag. Yes, we do. It's a uh, it's a big upgrade for uh, while we're social distancing to be able to come to you a little more clearly. So we hope you enjoy. And today we're going to talk about seasonal patterns. Yes. Seasonality in finance are those predictable moves that seem to happen during the year to a business or a sector simply based on time, like the season, the day of the week, or the hour of the day. There are many interesting seasonal trends, like higher retail sales in the fourth quarter. But today, we're going to be focusing on an old saying, sell in May and go away. Ooh, yay. This is a good one. Okay. So this idea is based on just the general concept that equity markets tend to be stronger from November to May. So like the winter spring season. So to follow the strategy, sell in May and go away, you, an investor would divest their equity holdings in May, or at least in late spring, and then reinvest in November, mid-autumn generally. Um, So what do we know about it? Does this strategy really work? Okay, well, I had to look this one up, but it's fascinating. Apparently, it comes from an old English saying. The saying refers to a custom of aristocrats, merchants, and bankers who would leave the city of London and escape to the country during the hot summer months. That's a lifestyle I could get on board with, although now it's May and I'm the only human left in Brooklyn while all these aristocrats have left for the Hamptons. But I (laughs) I meant it more as an investment strategy. Does the investment strategy work? Oh, all right. Well, hopefully our listeners enjoyed that little history lesson then. As an actual investment strategy, I'm a little less convinced. There could be some seasonality in some cases, but something that was so, so clear for everyone who's investing, it would probably just get arbitraged away. So what you're saying is essentially investors would take advantage of that price difference and capitalize on the imbalance and the profit opportunity would fade. What does the data say? It's a good question. The team ran some data for us, and they found that from 1998 to 2019, the total return difference from following the strategy compared to just staying invested the whole time is less than 30 basis points before cost. And so that's not really statistically significant. Oh, I get you. So if you factor in all the additional costs due to the trading and taxes, it would be even less significant. So that's surprising, though. Reflecting on just years of working in the industry, I feel like the summer has always had some sort of significant volatility, especially in August. I would have thought that this would be a more important or more useful strategy. Uh, Yeah, those are two really great points. And so let's talk about the second one. Uh, The summer is typically quiet. And so with volume so low, significant events can stir up some volatility. 
we have had some big events looking back in history that seem to happen in the late summer or early fall. Uh, looking at that same timeline that we talked about earlier, a strategy that bought stocks in May and sold in November actually really underperformed that long-only investor. Oh, interesting. So sell in May and go away might get you about break-even, but buy in May and sell in November, maybe not so much. So it sounds like the usual strategy um, or the best strategy as usual is the probably the simplest one, which is just to stay invested. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's because there's one big thing that we haven't talked about, breath, or the number of investment decisions that you can make in any given period of time. Oh, interesting. And so with Selame and Go Away, you'd only get to make this bet once per year. So that's pretty low breadth. Exactly, exactly. So even if this was a really successful strategy, like it had a 70% hit ratio, which is very good, you can't really expect to make money out of it with any reasonable degree of certainty. Um, if the seasonality was about what the market does well from 3.30 p.m. to 4 p.m. every day, that's something I can bet on 250 times a year. So even if it just had a like a 51% hit rate, uh, I would have a higher degree of confidence that it's something that I could make money on. Now it's time for the Portfolio Pause, a section in the program where we share an investment idea. And today I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it might have something to do with coronavirus. These days, that's a safe bet, LG. A lot of investors have been asking us this year, especially because of the virus and the recent significant run-up in the market, if they should sell in May and go away. Personally, I think there's a solid argument either way. Okay, well, if if we're going to take sides, and since you got to rant in last week's podcast, I'm going to take the bear case here and make it a little bit of a rant. So, <laughs> all right, valuations in the past couple of months have come up to basically where they were before COVID hit, and that is crazy. For one, we're not out of the shutdown yet, and health risks abound as we learn how to get back to work. For two, bankruptcies have only barely started to pick up. We're all looking at this post-COVID world as a time when people get back to work, but what if your job isn't there? Surely some things will have changed. Or what if policy didn't do a good job keeping people anchored to their jobs and they have to find new ones? How will employers get back up and running? And throughout all this, financial markets are looking to end of 2021 earnings. Hello, join the aristocrats and leave London. <laughs> well, those are all great points. And the situation is dire now. I agree. But perhaps this actually makes a solid case to hold on to your stocks or maybe even buy. It is at the depth of recessions that equities offer the most attractive long-term expected returns, and especially not when everyone is very optimistic about the economy. So now, on the flip side, with interest rates so low and so much stimulus from governments and central banks, it's tough not to get behind stocks for some. Okay, yes, it's highly uncertain, that's for sure. And anytime the environment is uncertain, we believe as an investment team that it's a good time to stick to the playbook. Key set of rules to help navigate the uncertainty. And that means sticking to your strategic benchmark and making small changes at the margin. Mm. For many, that's likely not trying to time the market. 
and instead dollar cost averaging into a mix of stocks and bonds. This strategy over time has historically outperformed people who even try to buy the dips. That's a good point. And as we discussed when we spoke about the 60-40 portfolio a couple of podcasts ago, at the individual stock and bond level, we firmly believe that this is the type of environment for active management or put it in another way, security selection. You don't want to be buying anything and everything in a time like this. We like quality companies that are at a discount with good management teams and proven business models. So putting all that together, it's just keep sticking to your plan, stick to high quality, sell in May and go away. Probably not so much. Coming up this week, um, really, we're watching the health trajectory of the crisis most closely, but there is some really interesting data coming out on Friday, specifically with respect to the Chinese economy. So we'll get April's fixed asset investment numbers, industrial production, and retail sales. And this might reveal the details of how the Chinese economy is responding to its progressive reopening. The soft numbers will increase the urge of Beijing to boost stimulus measures that are trickling in. And while it's not a one-to-one necessarily, I, I do like watching China's numbers as a little bit of a benchmark for the way that things could unfold here. Although, of course, the case progression has been more uh, serious in the U.S. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Ford actually has two Chinese ventures that last week reported year-over-year sales growth in April, suggesting that maybe the market's starting to recover there. But we're also so hearing early reports of resurgence in cases in some Asian economies. So the jury's still out. For me, I'm actually going to be reflecting on data that's a little bit lagging. Uh, this week, we're going to see what inflation looks like for the U.S. economy and a few other developed economies. Um, I think the jury's still out on whether this crisis ends up ultimately being inflationary or uh not so much, uh, maybe perhaps deflationary. Um, the early reports that we'll get from April's economic data suggest that prices, price growth should have slowed a little. And that's actually a really important point. One of the things that clients have been asking us, and maybe this is something we can explore on a later episode is, you know, are we going to be facing inflation uh, because of all this government support? And the answer is in the next couple of years, almost certainly not. We have so much demand destruction in the economy, which is going to be disinflationary for at least the next uh, several months. And so we are expecting those inflation numbers gradually to come down. That could also present a risk for markets because disinflation or even worse deflation is negative for earnings. And so it could uh, shock some of the uh, market watchers out there. But that's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or topic of interest, hit us up on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at newyorklifeinvestments.com forward slash blog. Until then, I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. We look forward to hearing from you. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. 
For more information about Mainstay Funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.